This is The Back Pass, a podcast for sports nerds by sports nerds. This week, we look at Graham Potter and the Chelsea Lion on fire. What led to Thomas Tuchel getting sacked? And will Chelsea now go on to win the Champions League? Hello and welcome to The Back Pass. I'm your host, Gurpreet Singh Rana. And with me today, I have Shivank, Ali, and Kevin. Hello, gents. Hello. Kevin, if you don't mind the, the, rugby, uh, the rugby reference, uh, without wasting much time, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's kick straight into it with Shivank. <laughs> Shivank, the, uh, the resident Chelsea fan. What, what led to Thomas Tuchel getting sacked, my friend? So okay, so the best analogy I can give you is we're all I in software um, or were in software. We've we've all been developers. Imagine having that <laughs> hyper excited product owner show up and he's like, "Ooh, we should consider doing this. Ooh, we should consider doing that." Given all our personalities, how do we react? Get out of my face! Imagine Todd Bowley being the hyper ambitious mm-hmm. product owner and Thomas Tuchel being <laughs> the devs. That's exactly what happened. And then the product owner's like, I don't want you on my team. Out you go. Uh, sh- and here we are. Uh, sh- Shivank, uh, <laughs> is there a lot of legacy code in that squad then? <laughs> <laughs> so Surprisingly, the answer is yes, because just before the season began, the tech lead on the project said, we need to start refactoring things. We're in a year of transition. We need to do this refactor now until it, before it becomes too late. <laughs> I'm speechless. I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely speechless how we managed to turn this into a, uh, into a programming podcast. <laughs> no, I, I am quite literally lost for words. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for, for the non-software engineers in the room, it's basically, um, yeah, it's a difference of opinions that's led to this. The timing's obviously mm. questionable, but mm. if you've been following Chelsea, not not like a fan, but if you've been following football for the last 20 years, this has basically all the hallmarks of Mourinho marks one departure back in 2007. Total breakdown of communication with the owner. Uh, and here we are. I really thought, Shivank, that you were going to compare Todd Bowley to a um, infamous Chelsea manager, the Tinker Man, Claudio Ranieri. The thing with Ranieri was his fate was decided even before Roman actually bought the club. Um, he had seen Mourinho basically doing his thing in Portugal. And so that thing was set in stone. This one's more like... But isn't... Isn't that kind of what's happened here with Todd? Like he's gone, mm, Potter looks good. Seems to be doing the right things, it's making the right sounds. It's the summer went, but it's not how the summer started. The summer started with, we're in this together, we're going to work it mm. out. But then a couple of things happened. And I'll, if you cast your minds back to our um, podcast on what champions are made of, we spoke about continuity. 
And when Marina Granovskaya, Bruce Buck, and Petacek left, I said on the chat, I'm not happy with these three leaving because we lose our continuity from the previous regime. The parts of the previous regime that made the club mm. successful with the business signings, with the transfer scouting network and everything, all gone. So yeah. started with the clean slate and here we are. And then, you know, and then you apply the business, <laughs> o- uh, the product owner and dev analogy. And that's basically yeah. what's happened in the last three months. <laughs> Look, I- I'll probably add on to that a little bit. I think it's a shift in ph- philosophy. Um, I think some of the language that I've heard so far is that mm. they want to make the brand of Chelsea bigger, kind of like what the menu brand is right now um, with all the ominous signs that that entails. And with- <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. And, and get ready for an official sock sponsor. And as somebody who's well-versed with billionaire American owners, this is not a new thing. This is very much expected. They're going to go for the shiny new toy that looks good that everybody's talking about, and that mm-hmm. just happens to be Graham Potter. Well, uh, Kevin, on the shiny new toy, uh, for, for the listeners, who is Graham Potter, and how did he rise to become the manager now of one of the biggest brands in, in world football? So... He's a former player. Um, he has played in the Premier League before. Um, I think that was at Southampton when he was in. Um, I have a vague memory of Southampton beating us in the nineties quite badly. Um, apparently, he was a part of that squad. I, I think that's rubbed off on him a little bit. But he's he's well known for his um, his exploits at Ostersund um, in the. That's the. Can't pronounce the league, Swedish Football League, Um, and what he did there was he took a team from basically their fourth tier to the first tier to win the championship, and then ended up in the Europa beating Arsenal and um, Galatasaray. 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 Yep. So (laughs) I'm I'm shocking with names, as you know. (laughs) Um, And that is what put him on 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 the map really um he's pretty unconventional when it comes to coaching styles like one of the things that um was noted about his coaching style when he was at um ofk was he got the players to uh go outside do stuff in the community like acting and things like that to get them out of their comfort zone so that would help them when they're in their you know or on multitude fronts but specifically when they're playing oppositions and those you know intense games that are you know, more well-funded and Mm. um, overall should be better, they rose to the challenge. And you can see that in the 2017 run. Um, Since then, he's moved over to Swan City, uh, Swan Sea City. Um, And then midway through that, he got picked up by Brighton. And, you know, we know how he's performed at Brighton. He's done a pretty good job there as well. But again, is that acceptable for Chelsea? So if he is bringing those young players through and they are developing, but they aren't getting into the top four, would that be accepted at Chelsea? Shavank? I think this year he might get the benefit of doubt considering Mm. he's come in, considering he's come in before, oh sorry, after the windows being shut and everything that's happened since. So he might be okay this year. And that's certainly the rumblings that um, the Athletic and Fabrizio Romano have basically mentioned as well. So I'm inclined to believe that. But also, 
even though at the surface it looks like the Chelsea of old with uh, with how it operated under Roman, we've got no reason mm. to believe Rod Bowley would be the same or any different. So we find out in a year's time. Yeah, like it would be it would be really um really crass of Todd Bowley to if Chelsea didn't make the top four to sack Potter. It just wouldn't make sense. It would be just completely opposite thinking. So even if Chelsea were to miss out on top four this year, I I think they'd want to keep obviously keep Potter, but it would impact who they bring in potentially, like as Man United found out this transfer window, that it can have like a bigger impact than expected. Mm-hmm. And I think previous years, it was pretty much guaranteed if, if United missed one year in the Champions League, they'd get there next year. And it wasn't really a, something that really got put much thought to. But mm. with the EPL the way it is now, if Chelsea miss Champions League, there is no God-given guarantee that they'll make, it, make Champions League next year. And, and th- this, is, this is the point, Ali, that, that baffles me. Shivank, what what I got from uh, your opening was that there were rumblings of discontent. Uh, your your product owner analogy, by the way, was brilliant. <laughs> but 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 to all the product owners I've worked with, I am sorry if you felt <laughs> a bit pinched by that. But I felt like it was more product owner, less product owner, and more like head of technology or head of engineering who came in and went. I'm just going to change the product owner. I'm just going to change your ma- engineering manager. I'm just going to change your design lead and get you a new architect lead. And then just devs, just whatever these guys want to do, just do that. And, and, and so I get it. I, I get it that the, the lead developer is like, okay, not, not for me. I, I need someone who sees my vision. My, my, my concern here is Chelsea have gone for Graham Potter and Brighton have got off to a reasonable start. Would they still have gone for Potter? had Brighton got off to a similar start to the one that West Ham have had. Say they had no wins in a draw. Oh, yeah, yeah. What would would mm. Bowley still be going for Potter? I would be inclined to say yes, and it's simply because um, it's now common knowledge than when Mark Cucurella was being signed. Todd mm. Bowley was more interested in what Graham Potter was like as a manager. So you could see it from, you know, it was a plan even back then. It's just the timing's been incredibly astounding for just about everyone like why do it after the windows shut why not do it before when things could have been organized or managed i i think there is that that would have been interesting just to go back in time and see if say if you know in this alternative universe that we're talking about that took all um did poorly in the first couple of games say you didn't have that tottenham game um he might have gotten fired early he might Potter might have been hired in the transfer window. Is there now the same, you know, uh, consensus amongst fans that, especially Chelsea fans, that uh, Potter has to perform this year, maybe at the end of this year, and also start of next year? Like, was that more tactical to sort of give him a little bit more time? To be honest, I do not know what the average Chelsea fan feels anymore. Like, there's a lot of love for Thomas Lippert. <laughs> there's a lot of confusion with the situation. There's a lot of hope with the youth, and especially the young players that mm. we're signing. There's a lot of confusion with how Todd Bowley will run the club. So, honestly, mm. <laughs> I don't know what to feel anymore. At least with Roman, you had a certain sense of predictability, 
like, oh yeah, if we don't perform, the manager's gone, there'll be a new Champions League. With Third Burley, I have no idea what to expect right now. Um, we're basically flying a plane and building it at the same time. We fired our chief, uh, the head of scouting. We've fired our technical director. We've got none of those. We've changed a coach mid-season. So to be honest, I don't even know what the expectations are like. Like, can, can the season just end now? <laughs> well, then Chelsea miss out on the Champions League. They have to do it right now. That's a great metaphor. Um, uh, Shivank flying and playing and building it at the same time. It casts my mind back to the White Brothers. So basically, they're trying to pioneer something from scratch. That, that's my understanding of how Todd Bowley is approaching this. Yeah, he's he. Uh, uh, and that's an excellent point, actually. He's basically had a look at the landscape, rightly or wrongly, and he's felt, you know what, these guys can probably make a few more billions with how things mm-hmm. are run. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how true it is. I don't know how false it is. I mean, the Premier League is still the most marketable and valued footballing division anywhere in the world. It's It's been pretty revolutionary. In the, even with something as minuscule as having the player's name on the back of the jersey, for example. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, if you if you look at his speeches till now he's like oh yeah let's play a premier league all-stars game north versus south or let's do this or let's do that (laughs) yeah i don't even want to get into it but if you look below the surface his basic point is i think there's a lot more money to be made here which is basically capitalism 101 and we're dealing with the billionaire (laughs) Right, it, it's mix of uh, gla- glazonomics, and uh, Ali could probably testify to how well that's gone at United. As long as he's not raising debt or taking money out of the club, I think he'll be fine. He, but here's the thing, though. Ever since he's come back, he's done a few good things that have earned him the goodwill of the fans. He's restored some old um, Chelsea signage from the 1940s back at the club. So, you know, it still feels like the good old days. He's invested more heavily in the women's team now, and he's basically allowed them to play more at Stamford Bridge than before. So there's definitely a lot of goodwill going on over there for him. Now it's only a matter of time before things either go massively downhill or they shoot off. Um, Gurpreet, just regarding um, regarding one of your points earlier about Potter and having the role if Brighton hadn't done well, and to be honest, um, last, well, earlier this season, earlier this year, last season, when, uh, Manchester United were looking for a new manager, I personally thought Potter should have had a great mention as part of those candidates because, um, because of his talent, because of his ability. And at that point, um, Brighton last season probably underperformed their XG. Like they weren't, they weren't, um, obviously they were, they were still a good side and they were doing well. But not the kind of start they had to this season, and they were, you know, they were mid-table, which is not 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 terrible. But they're probably underperforming in their stats. Um, but yeah, Potter Potter has been doing it right for like the last few seasons, and he's for much longer than last few seasons. Yeah, um, and, uh, probably deserves deserves a shot. I, I remember you calling this out, uh, Ali, and in in a strange way, Potter and his philosophy, I think, would be a better fit at a club like United. Now, I'm not saying our expectations are or our ambitions are any lower than Chelsea's, but we seem to do this thing where it's like, here's our guy, we're going to back him, and we're going to back him, and we're going to back him 
until we're backed into a corner and we've got no choice but to sack him. <laughs> Chelsea are yeah. Chelsea are one, they're much more ruthless than this, right? We and uh, we've discussed this point before. Yeah. Chelsea don't do this whole thing of like, here's our guy, he's our man, he's going to lead us back into the you know into the limelight again. Chelsea don't do that play, right? Uh, we United do. So P- Potter, I think, like Ten Hag, there there is a philosophy, there is a level of. Um, tactical savviness that would have fit in quite well at United. Mm. Now, talking talking of talking yeah. of tactical savviness, the, the the reason I wanted to wait this long before we did the the Potter episode Chavank was uh <laughs> so that we we had the benefit of hindsight and then having seen him in that uh the midweek Champions League game any thoughts on on how the team was set up against RB Salzburg and and any insights into the players that might do well under Potter? Um, the okay. So before I get on to the RB Salzburg thing, I have to say that the unfortunate passing of the Queen has been a blessing in disguise for Chelsea. Um, a we haven't had the t- well, the bad part is we haven't seen them play as much as we've liked because you know there's been two games that are cancelled. Or postponed rather, but on the bright side, Potter's now got a couple of weeks or even more to actually work with the team and build systems and everything. Mm. Um, coming back to the Salzburg game, there were some really interesting things that I saw in the game. Uh, Raheem Sterling started as left wing back, which was very surprising, but he wasn't a wing back in the traditional sense. Like even though on paper he was a wing back, he was playing much more inward and. Chelsea's shape was a bit more tilted in the sense that Reeves James was tucking in, pretty much making a back four at times, and pick your pattern, Sterling pushing up. Now, what that allowed for was basically Sterling to have a lot of space on the left hand side. Um, it also meant Kukurea was in his favoured left back position instead of left wing back. And Reese James, well, he can play right wing back, right back, doesn't bother him. He's a monster of a player. Um, the fact that I didn't quite enjoy from the game was why would you have Aspilicueta and Tiago Silva as a center back pairing? Like, as, <laughs> as much as I love them, but their combined age is close to 70 years old. And I, I couldn't take it, to be honest. So I think I think I got an answer for that one. In my research of Potter and his style, one of the things that um, a lot of players mentioned in talking about Potter was that he would often switch in the game itself between um, structures mm. and attacking philosophies. So it may actually have to do with experience in the short term for that game. Short turnaround, you need somebody who's got a bit more experience and is able to at least cover that, what he's thinking. Um so I'd be really interested if he sticks with that. He may stick with that for a few games and may bring on other players. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as Chelsea sack managers, Kevin, you're 100% spot on. I'm just casting my mind back to every interim manager and their first game is always, yeah, let's just bring in the experienced guys who can at least get a draw, if not a loss, so that we don't have a <laughs> shaky start. So yeah, good observation. Just like to pick up on your point um, earlier, Shivank, around Sterling in that left wing-back berth. That that seems very similar to what Potter did with Trossard. So Leandro Trossard at Brighton, where you're essentially taking an attacker, uh, and this is for the benefit of the listener, 
the the left wing back position in football is is essentially a defensive position. But Potter uh, had this model at Brighton where you'd take an attacking player and you'd put them in a defensive position. And from there, as Kevin says, that player would wander and cause chaos. And you'd have Mark Kukurea basically moving into that zone, playing more as a left back instead of a wing back. Is that essentially what you saw in that game against Salzburg, Shavank? Yeah, basically. Uh, basically, that's exactly what I saw. Uh, some of the other things I saw was, I feel Graham Porter's system will be much more suited to Armando Broya. Um, he had another spring in his step. He felt, I, I think his cameo was no more than 20 minutes or something. Um, I, I can't remember the exact time, but he looked a lot more threatening and lively in those 20 minutes. And it was a delight to see him play. Uh, he's he's reasonably tall. He's reasonably strong. I think the system will suit him really, really well in the long term, well, or as long as Chelsea allow it to be. <laughs> what about Jorginho? Does he does he fit into <laughs> does he fit into a Graham Potter energetic, <laughs> athletic, on the go midfield? I think the the question's rather rhetoric, but. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, Jorginho's just not that kind of player but to be honest okay so here's my balanced opinion on Jorginho he does one thing really well he's got good game awareness but he's not very mobile and he's not very strong so he you, you but he's a good penalty taker he's a good penalty taker I, is he though because I remember Pickford saving a penalty against him surely he can't be that good he well, Rashford missed in the same game, so... <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> he's only just getting better. Like, yeah. you know, he's just started scoring <laughs> goals again. You want... Why are you... It's a complete drive-by, mate. Marcus, if you're listening, if you're listening, just ignore that. He, Shavank, just... Don't just ignore it. Just yeah. ignore that, okay, Marcus? You're doing great. My- Marcus, whatever you do off the pitch, I really respect. But if they're comparing Jorginho's penalties, I have to bring you up. I'm sorry, my friend. <laughs> yeah, but hey, look, I'm sure there's other penalty takers in the squad. And to be honest, I'd much rather Reese James take a penalty and basically carve a, net, carve a hole in the net. Well, the, that's, my, that's how much I love the game. Fantasy football uh, fanatics all over are going to cheer at your statement, Shavak. Oh, his penalties are something to see. Like he hits the ball really, really hard. And actually, from a from a from a tactical perspective, is he one of the players that you're really expecting to to thrive under the Potter model? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, he is intelligent enough, strong enough, and quick enough that he's going to be indispensable to Potter's model. Whether he plays him at right back, right wing back, or as a midfield holder, uh, he hasn't played midfield holder since. He was at Wigan, which was, I don't know, three, maybe four years ago now. His only loan spell. But that kid's a beast. And again, going back to that Brighton comparison, uh, we've spoken about Trossard and Sterling potentially. But you look at a player like Sully March and, and how well he did at Brighton. Uh, Ali was talking about XG and chance creation. Sully March's numbers from last season matched Reese James. And we know there is a clear gap in talent, right? Reese James is just so much more talented. So the, the expectation is that his game goes to another level. Mm, 100%. But also, Reese James missed a good chunk of that season. Between November and March, he barely played because of all the injuries he had. 
gentlemen, I, I appreciate Shivank's fielded a lot of questions. So, so now we come to our most important <laughs> question. Ali, do Chelsea now go on to win the Champions League? <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't put it past you really wouldn't, you wouldn't would you put it past Chelsea yeah you wouldn't I uh, just like uh, I, I don't I don't want to think of that again that would uh, Chelsea winning a third that doesn't oh. sound good um, it sounds music to my yeah. ears yeah look look um, I really want to say that without without Drogba and Terry and Lampard that they will be a bridge too far they just don't have the personalities to band together for the season and I I don't know how Potter's gonna get how Potter might be might just get the team perfectly in shape over the World Cup break basically all the big stars who are out for the World Cup but the rest of the team just really understands and knows his systems and how he wants them to play and they all band together when they come back from the World Cup and they just really jump on and make a deep run because not a lot of the big European teams have come across Potter before and they get caught out. So I really don't want it to, but you you never know. Would you rather Man City with with the Terminator Cyborg (laughs) scoring goals for fun right now? (laughs) Or or, or do you think, um, yeah, like, like to be honest... Keep it away from City and Liverpool would be good. Barcelona, but you know, Barcelona. give it to, get, give it, give it, give another one to Real Madrid. Just give it to them. Yeah, just give it to Real Madrid. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be happy for Rudiger. Real or Bayern. That's that's okay. They they've got plenty. They can have some more. It, it's it's very much feeling that way, right? We're, we're all looking to Bayern to save football because I mean, let's look at the choices, right? <laughs> it's City, PSG, Barcelona. I'm going to throw up Chelsea, Liverpool. Liverpool. Oh my goodness. We're going to, we're not, we couldn't do another football show without Shavank going on and on about if, <laughs> if Chelsea won again. It, it's really Bayern, I'm afraid. Yeah, we're all looking to. Eh, eh. I mean, the signs are there. The signs are all there. Or unless we get like one of those weird seasons where we just get like a pure underdog and, you know, like. Porto come out and smash it and <laughs> do a smash and grab and well and then and that's actually interesting because then then Potter probably gets sacked and then and the then, then, and then and the soul cycle restarts right <laughs> and it, it's like Roman never left long live the Roman Empire yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh god or Chelsea turns into Man United and they just you know keep on sacking coaches every two or three years but never actually end up being a, you know, a good team that's what happened to us you, you know what to, to be to be fair though um from what it seems like from a distance and what it is looking like todd bowley's had a look at manchester united and he's gone wow they're doing amazing things commercially we should be in on some of that some of those um we should definitely be making all those kind of kind of brand decisions that Manchester United are making because Manchester United's brand is still strong. And then he's gone, but they haven't got the football part right. And then he's gone, oh, I need to kind of match it to Liverpool and Man City. And so he's, I, I, I feel like Todd Bowley is trying to marry both Manchester United's commercial success with that kind of like growing, like making sure the team is good. And got the right tools for the for the on field performance from that city and Liverpool have put in place for structures. 
I feel like he's trying to marry the both, marry, marry, marry the two. But, you know, you never know. Um, Potter might just get frustrated after doing like the 10th biscuit commercial and go, I'm out of here. Like I, I got, I can't do any more biscuit commercials. <laughs> I need to go coach a team. Actually, I haven't seen many recently, but back in the day, and I'm going 10 years in the past, Chelsea was doing a lot of commercials like that. Like we used to partner the Williams F1, um, F1 car racing team and we'd do commercials for them. We'd do Samsung commercials back in the day or Yokohama tire commercials. I haven't seen many these days, so maybe they'll make a comeback. But to your point, Ali, no, you're very much spot on. He is looking at kind of the commercial success of Man United and the on-field success of the City Football Group or the Red Bull model in how to nurture talent. Mm. Um, And I think he's alluded to that as well. Like he's going to buy a couple more clubs across Europe that will act as feeder clubs to Chelsea. Now, whether that ultimately takes on the same level of success as the Red Bull model or basically just becomes a sham like City Football Group, that remains to be seen. And I call mm. the City Football Group model a sham because they've got, I don't know, 20 clubs now, including Melbourne, and one in New York, um, a couple in Europe, one in Abu Dhabi. And the only player that's made it to Manchester City's team is Zach Steffen, who again went out on loan mm. this year. So mm. <laughs> that model has nothing to show for, whereas the Red Bull model is much more proven in the sense that you have a very visible part. Well, no, 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 Shivank, you're, you're forgetting one name, and that was Frank Lampard, who made a six-month trip from <laughs> New York City to Chelsea, to do City. To City. To score against Chelsea. To score against Chelsea. It was, yeah. Hey, we still won the league that year, so, you know, all's forgotten. <laughs> and it was Lamps sacking that, you know, won us the second Champions League. So, all's forgotten. Oh, ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> Lamps is still a Chelsea hero. Lamps will always be one. Uh. All right, gentlemen. Uh, we've just had uh, Matthew Reynal on the call to us, asking us to hurry up because we have, in fact, taken uh, more than 30 minutes talking about Graham Potter. That's all we have time for this week. We will be back next week with more sports. If you'd like to catch us on the socials, then Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Check us, check us out at the Backpass Pod. Thank you for your time. Hate mail goes to Ad Shivank Dubey on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>